0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: It's going good. I am in lovely Southern California, Amy.
1: Well, how is it there?
0: It's cool. It's, it's, I mean, and not, well, it's, it's always cool in Southern California, right? You know, right. hip and cool, but it's also cool as in, I didn't bring enough long sleeve shirts.
1: Well, that's, that's unexpected.
0: I know. It's it's just about the same temperature as it is back in Nashville, and I was not expecting that. And it's a little chilly for me out here.
1: Okay, so well,
0: but I'm okay. I'm okay.
1: Well, that's good. I'm uh, I, I'm glad that you are getting to be there. I'm sure it is beautiful. Are you doing? A, is it a site visit?
0: Yes, working on some stuff for the annual meeting for next summer. In June, okay. we'll we'll all be here in June in Anaheim. I'm currently here in Anaheim at the Marriott right next to the convention center. So did a lot of walking around this morning, checking out signage locations and, and just everything we need for all the signage and all that goes on with the annual meeting and just kind of wrapping that all up. So been working on that this uh, last couple of days. And now I uh, got a, a college visit tomorrow, Amy, for my oh, oldest really? son. That is crazy to me. So
1: Okay, and is yeah. he is he out there with you too?
0: He's flying out tonight. Okay. So he and Beth are flying out today and we're going to Cal Baptist tomorrow and Very checking that exciting. out because it looks like that's where he will be heading for college in just a few months, which is insane.
1: Yeah, I know. We're in that season as well, and uh it's kind of weird to imagine that we're there. Of course, we're a little different from you and Beth because empty nest is staring us right in the face but you've got quite a bit of time before they're all in college so
0: absolutely so we've got quite a ways to go with Avery being in first grade so we got you know a long ways to go but we're getting started next year and we're excited about that and also if you are looking at college uh, just uh, this week is the last week for the preview day at Texas Baptist College so uh, today is a preview day over at Texas Baptist College. I know they've got another one coming up in the spring. Uh, so if you're interested in exploring everything a college has to offer, be sure to check out Texas Baptist College. You can visit the college and have a chance to check out the campus, meet the professors, talk to fellow students about their Texas Baptist College. And you can visit TexasBaptist.com for more information about Texas Baptist College on the campus of southwestern baptist theological seminary there in fort worth so
1: um okay great yeah we'll be talking about southwestern a little bit later in the show we've got a trustee meeting recap for them as well as others so all the seminaries yeah. all the
0: seminaries they all had their yep. meetings this week and last so we got all the, right. the seminary recaps in we're going to be hitting that here shortly and we'll we'll get to southwesterns but amy first we start in nashville
1: yeah, so big story that dropped. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. A lot of times we record on Fridays, but uh, schedule-wise, with you being in California, we're recording it today. So this dropped last night, and it was a uh, uh, news. I I was completely surprised by it. It was uh, there was a lawsuit filed on Monday, and it was uh, from former executive committee chair Mike Stone. He's uh, still a current executive committee board member and he has filed a lawsuit against former ERLC President Russell Moore. And in that, Mike Stone is alleging that he has suffered a tremendous loss in professional cultivation and reputational standing, decreased future earning power, and serious mental and emotional injury in the form of extreme public embarrassment, stress, anxiety, and fear. And that these, this was all due to the actions of Russell Moore. And and he's really focusing in on a couple of letters that had been written. One had been written, I think, in uh, early 2020. Another one had been written in May 2021. But they were both released publicly, leaked by sources that are still unknown. Um And uh, it was just before the election for SBC president. So he is alleging that he was defamed by Russell Moore within those letters and that they were part of a malicious campaign against Mike Stone as retaliation for the ERLC task force that was part of the executive committee that went from basically February 2020 until February 2021 when that report was was released. So this is really kind of a, a story that goes all the way back about a year and a half ago and has culminated in this lawsuit dropping. So we'll just have to we'll have to keep keep you posted, see what develops out of it. At this stage, it's just come out, folks are processing uh, all the things that are in it.
0: Absolutely, and if anything new happens in this case, we'll bring it to you here on the podcast. You can always follow along with these and all the stories that we mention here on the podcast at baptistpress.com. Some other news from the executive committee. This past week, a letter from 25 executive committee trustees calling for a meeting was sent to EC Chairman Roland Slate. Uh, That letter was actually sent on October 13th, which is the day before the announcement of the resignation of Ronnie Floyd from the presidency of the executive committee. The meeting was called for the purpose to address the election of new officers, to fill one or more vacancies that have come as a result of resignations, and secondly, to discuss any necessary action related to the issues of leadership and trust among the committee, officers, and executive staff. So uh, David Sons, who is the pastor in Lake Murray Baptist in Lake Murray, South Carolina, had sent that to Chairman Slade. Twenty-five trustees met the threshold of one-third. To call for a special meeting, so uh, in the bylaws of the executive committee, and probably in the bylaws of many churches or many organizations, there is a clause that if a certain number of the members of the board call for a meeting, it has you know there has to be a meeting held. So uh, that right. there's a 30 day window to hold that meeting. That's just kind of a standard bylaw that's in a lot of bylaws. It's I think in all the entity bylaws in some form or fashion. So uh, this is something that is just standard in the bylaws that if a third of the members say hey we need to have a meeting about something that a meeting gets called. So uh, Roland Slade has said that there will be a meeting before November 11th, which is the 30th day since the receipt of the letter. So uh, he has confirmed that that will happen. And also in the story, there are a, a list of EC trustees that have resigned. Right now, the current number of EC trustees actually stands at 72. There has been one more since the list uh, was published at Bat- by Baptist Press. So you can add Rob Showers to that list uh, from Virginia uh, that came across this morning. And uh, so typically the EC has 86 members. We are down to 72 as of today. That's uh, October 21st.
1: And that is, it's always, always good to remember. So that's 13 resignations since the meeting. And there was one resignation yeah. prior to that because of someone who moved. So when you move yeah. out of your region, you can't serve. So it was already down from 86 to 85 just for kind of a housekeeping matter. Now it's down to 72. Yes.
0: One more resignation. Greg Addison, the executive committee, executive vice president, has also announced his intent to uh, leave the executive committee at the end of October. So uh, that was uh, delivered this week as well.
1: When he announced that, he said he is working to ensure that the matters over which he has responsibility have good transitions in place. And so uh, he will transition on October 31st, the same as uh, Dr. Ronnie Floyd. And so they're working to prepare for that uh, as well as they can.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, follow along in that story. Obviously, there's more to come from that uh, as uh, we look to interim leadership and beyond at the executive committee, uh, naming of a search team, the whole thing. I mean, we, we've got, kind of touched on this a little bit last week and last week's show, so there's a lot to do. Uh, we'll probably dive into that a little bit deeper once things are a little more clear as to timelines and directions and all that. So uh, that's kind of the EC part of the show. Amy, on to the states. We start in Colorado.
1: Colorado Baptists were uh, meeting. They met October 11th and 12th in Fort Collins. And they had at least 300 people. So uh, they had 167 messengers and then several other guests from some of their uh, churches across the state. They had a number of uh, things that they discussed. One was the sale of Ponderosa Retreat and Conference Center, which, bum, of course, ba-da-dum, 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 yeah, you know, uh, you know bum, what I immediately ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, think. I feel like... I,
0: Did little Joe and Hoss and Adam and yeah, Ben... Hop sing, get them all together.
1: I mean, I'm actually disappointed that not not that your humming isn't great behind, but I really think you should have planned to just over like overlay some of the real right. audio. I'll do that. There. I'll do
0: that right. I'll just play a little clip right here.
1: There we go. All right.
0: There you go. All right. All
1: right so 71.4% uh, of messengers voted to sell Ponderosa to an organization that has pledged to invest in the uh, upgrades and things. So in one sense, they're really setting up a partnership so that their camp ministries can still continue to be there. So, you know, that doesn't. Didn't change a lot. They also named their incoming executive director. We had announced that before, Michael Proud. They also passed a $2,472,705 budget, which is about an $80,000 increase over the last year. Um, That about 35% will be allocated for national and international SBC causes. That's uh, 35% of what will come in cooperative program giving additionally they had new officers mark spence pastor of mississippi avenue baptist church in aurora was elected president first vice president is greg teal he's from calvary baptist church in delta second vice president is patrick hall and he's the executive pastor at cross fellowship church in colorado springs and secretary is jan lozer she's from riverside baptist church in denver
0: All right. Well, that's Colorado. On to New York, Amy, where they met for the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, They'd not been able to meet, but this year, uh, Terry Robertson and our good friends in New York were able to meet and gather 51 messengers from 23 of the state's 535 churches and 26 visitors participated in the on-site annual meeting. So, uh, you know, trying to get that attendance back up, but uh, there's still... A lot going on there in New York. But uh, the business, including the second vote on changes to the bylaw and constitution, as well as the passage of a budget, it is $770,000, which anticipates $761,000 in cooperative program giving from the churches in the state convention area. 30% of that will be sent on to national and international work for Southern Baptists. The total budget is a 17% increase over the previous years. They also elected new officers. Steve Charles, the pastor of New Covenant Baptist, was elected the president of the convention. Vice president will be Gail Dingwell. Wait, 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 a-
1: wait, 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 wait. Where, where is New Covenant Baptist Church?
0: It's in New York.
1: All right. Well, right. We'll put a link in the show notes if anyone wants to go and look at that city and see if they can tell us how to pronounce that. I'm I'm really disappointed that you didn't do that. Daigua. Okay.
0: I think. Okay. I, I don't know. It's Maybe. in New York, Amy. There it's you go. Steve Charles. There can't be too many Steve Charles in New York.
1: Canon Daigua. I think that's probably it. Somebody okay. somebody will have to let us know if we did. It. All right, keep going. Keep All going. All right.
0: Vice President Gail Dingwell, pastor of Ridgecrest in New Windsor, New York. Uh, recording secretary John DePew, pastor of Newark Baptist Fellowship Church in Newark, and Assistant Recording Secretary Daniel Lee, pastor of Compass Fellowship Church in New York City. So uh, that'll do it for New York, Amy. On to the Baptist Resource Network in Pennsylvania and South Jersey.
1: All right. So they had their uh, their inaugural Accelerate conference. It's a new annual meeting yeah. format.
0: Also, their fiftieth anniversary.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. So they had 143 messengers and 108 guests, and so uh, that was celebrating their fiftieth anniversary. They uh, had some good, I think, resource time examining the future of you know the church there and then urging churches to love their neighbors through a three-phase initiative that is called Love PASJ, Love Pennsylvania, South Jersey. So they met in at the beginning of October in Harrisburg. They elected Brian McClellan, who is from First Southern Baptist Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as president of the executive board. And then they also approved a budget of two million one hundred thirty nine thousand seven hundred fifty, and that includes a one percentage point increase of CP receipts that go to national and international Baptist causes. So that went from thirty percent up to thirty one percent. Now there was a a great address from the outgoing president. You remember this is one of our favorite names there, Buff McNichol.
0: Yeah, Buff McNichol.
1: Yep, and he uh, he talked about. Um, just how much they were able to do throughout the pandemic. So it was a lot of time of reflection. They also had, um, had their Accelerate Conference. And so they were celebrating 50 years and highlighting their history as well with an address from Barry Whitworth. So what they want to do is have a brief business session and then a full day of worship and content as a way to encourage one another uh, as they handle business. So uh, really great, exciting times for the Baptist Resource Network.
0: Yeah, really, really good reports from all three of those uh, sake of vision recaps. We continue to get those in. And state conventions continue to happen. I'll be attending my first state convention of 2021 next week, Amy. I head to Indiana, actually two of them next week, Indiana and Utah, Idaho, both next week. And then I'll be hitting West Virginia and North Carolina the week after that. And I think Louisiana later in November. So hitting uh, five of them this, this year, two at a time for the next couple of weeks. So should be fun. All right. And as always, if you're out there listening to the podcast, be sure to say hello if you see me out and about. So Amy, you'll even be at the uh, North Carolina one, I think.
1: I, I will. I I'll at least be there on Tuesday. We'll see on, on Monday, trying to get, get schedules all figured out. But right. I will be there with uh, folks from Summit Church. So. All
0: right. Very cool. So that'll, that'll be fun to, to get to see you again. And then also, Amy, we mentioned it at the top of the show. We have trustee recaps from all six of our seminars. We start in Fort Worth where they have a new Center for Church Revitalization.
1: Yeah, so they named their Center for Church Revitalization in honor of Kenneth S. Hemphill. So he's the Friend of the pod,
0: president. by the way, Amy. That's
1: right. He's been, he's been, on, been on here, here we before. We interviewed him. That's right. Uh, he served as president of Southwestern from 1994 to 2003, and it will now be known as the Hemphill Center for Church Revitalization. But that was not the only thing that was being named after um after someone they also named a academic chair a new academic chair for Charles Stanley so this is the Charles F Stanley Chair for the Advancement of Global Christianity so that was a that was a big one as well and it will be in the Roy J Fish School of Evangelism and Missions and that honors the legacy of Charles Stanley who was Longtime pastor of First Baptist Atlanta and was president of the SBC from 1984 to 1986. Um, another big announcement was the appointment of Greg Wills as the new dean of the School of Theology. Um, so that was that was a big one as well. He's a friend of the pod, rec- pod as well, right? I think so, yeah. He's a friend of the pod. He's, uh, I've known him for... What, 21 years, something like that? I'm I, think <laughs> I, think, I think we've I met. I think we've met,
0: No, but I don't think I've met him. I, I oh, you don't think like you have?
1: Once. Oh, he's great. Yeah. yeah I've, so I've only heard
0: great things, obviously, but Yes, yeah.
1: so uh, research professor of church history and Baptist heritage, and is also the founding director of the B.H. Carroll Center for Baptist Heritage and Mission, so he will now be dean of the School of Theology. Also, um, Ed Upton, good friend of the pod. Oh, elected, yes. Big, elected, big friend of the pod. Yes. Elected vice president for institutional advancement. So uh, that that was a big announcement. And then they elected three faculty members who had already been serving under presidential appointment. Todd Bates as professor of theology in Texas Baptist College. Ian Bunton, associate professor of missions in the Fish School. I hope I said that right, or Buntane. It's uh, Fish and- School,
0: yes. Oh, you meant the other part. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Yes. Mark McClellan as professor of missions in the Fish School as well. Sounds like they had a great time and lots of big announcements coming out of that.
0: All right. To the Bayou, we go down in New Orleans at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. where They're, they're kind of still... You know, getting over the hurricane that they dealt with just a few months ago. So they're getting back on track down there in New Orleans. And Jamie Doo announced the election of Greg Mathias to the faculty as the associate professor for global missions. Now, That's a, it's you know a bittersweet.
1: Him. Yeah, it's a bittersweet <laughs> announcement. You know, every time it's kind of like when Jamie Dew went uh, to New Orleans that I was excited for New Orleans. Not happy for the folks in Wake Forest who uh, uh, who miss their friends. And so the same goes with Greg Mathias and his family. So he was a, just an invaluable part of Southeastern and the Center for Great Commission Studies. But that that is what makes him such an asset to New Orleans. So it's a yes. really so big deal.
0: They're launching a global missions center there on the campus in New Orleans in conjunction with uh, everything that Nam is doing through George Ross. Uh, Dr. Dew said that they're looking to reinvigorate the mission's focus on campus so they also adjusted uh the doctor of education and master of divinity programs for the fall 2022 semester so they made some minor adjustments to those uh just kind of streamlined things and and also they acknowledged the great sacrifice made by adam harwood who's professor of theology many of you know dr harwood's name we've talked about him here on the podcast you know former uh movie star adam that's right
1: jurassic world he was in jurassic
0: world He spent a year away from the campus ministering to members of the Louisiana National Guard in Iraq. That's right. That's
1: right. Yeah. So we're Facebook friends. And so I have uh, seen, you know, he would kind of post every now and then things going on over there when he would get care packages from his family and and stuff so definitely a lot of people have been praying for Adam Harwood and this is a great thing that what they did they approved a plan that would count that deployment time toward his sabbatical leave eligibility so when you get a sabbatical as a faculty member it it comes it's kind of like it's like you're earning it so you are in the classroom for so many years and then you earn a semester or a year of sabbatical time where you can, you know, work on projects or whatever. And so him taking a year away under any other circumstance, that would mean that he's, you know, a year behind on that calculation. And what they did is they did kind of a manual override to say, you know what, we're going to count this year because of his service toward his sabbatical total. And I, I love that. I think that's a great, great move by the Board of Trustees.
0: Absolutely. All right. So that's New Orleans, Amy. On to Wake Forest.
1: Yeah. So Wake Forest, it was really just a great time of uh, kind of celebrating some some really good reports, uh, celebrating an enrollment of more than five thousand students and the highest year of financial giving in the school's history. So that was really exciting. Um, record enrollment and then the strongest strongest year of fundraising. It's up thirty two percent more. In this year than the prior fiscal year. And it's 22% higher than the highest year in our history wow. uh, here at, at Southeastern. So that was really exciting and a great update on the For the Mission campaign, which has now reached 72.5% of its goal. So that's a, a great update. And so just really had um, a great time together. Uh, and then some just normal, you know, Proposals and revisions for curriculum, things like that. Uh, so the and we had a great dinner together uh, just to to celebrate what's happening at the school and to to focus on that fundraising campaign. So it was it was a good week. I loved seeing everybody.
0: Yeah, and and just for those who may be new to the show, you may not know Amy's connection to Southeastern. Her husband is the provost there.
1: Right, so, so when I say we, I'm part of the southeastern family
0: uh, yeah. here,
1: and it's about two literally, blocks from my house. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, yes. literally part of the family. So uh, yeah, and my daughter it takes classes there. So, uh, so that's that's why I could could talk about what all was happening here. But now going to a place that used to be home for me, and that's Louisville, Kentucky, to Southern yeah. Seminary. Yeah. So tell us, but about real that. quick,
0: you know, yeah, we we sometimes. Assume people just know everything about us whenever they listen to the show, and we don't know when we have new listeners that jump on from time to time. So that's right. Just wanted to make sure that that's was right. clear for folks. Yeah. So go ahead. yes, and and that's like right. you said, where it used to be home, you used to work at Southern. Keith went that's to right. Southern. So on to Louisville we go. This is the record enrollment part of the show. Uh, you mentioned it at Southeastern. We have it at Southern as well, and we'll get to Midwestern here in just a minute. Uh, but they record enrollment and revenues for twenty 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 one. In Louisville, Kentucky at Southern Seminary. So even though they reduced tuition rates for the 2020 and 2021 school year, tuition and fees were $3.4 million greater than the amount budgeted and attributable to a sizable increase in enrollment. So they have their, their largest receipts and largest enrollment ever. So just an incredible time up there in Louisville right now as uh, they just are you know kind of busting at the seams. We also had some faculty elections in Louisville at Southern. They approved Joseph Herod as an associate professor of biblical spirituality and John Wilsey as the associate professor of church history and philosophy. Uh sabbaticals were granted to Justin Urban and Robert Jones and approved promotions for Joseph Herod from assistant professor to associate professor of biblical spirituality and Jonathan Pennington from associate professor to professor of New Testament interpretation. Uh, also nominated Sally Ramsey to serve a three-year term on the seminary's audit committee and elected Ellie Corsi as vice chairman of the committee. So uh, some news out of Southern. Amy, real quick, I know we've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast. I feel like this is like reintroduction for a lot of people that, because we've had a lot of new listeners. I've been watching the, uh, the stats over the last few months. Uh, remind us, assistant professor, associate professor, professor,
1: Right. So and then, that's right. And then typically most places have a senior professor, which is really kind of it's a retirement role. But where even when a, a faculty member has retired, they still might teach one or two classes um, and have have that thing. But the main rankings are assistant, associate and just it, we call it full professor, but they just are kind of listed as professor. Yeah. So,
0: so um, like, does it like a time? Is it how many t- classes you've taught? Is it just how how good you are? Like, I mean, like it, what what no, determines it, the? It
1: it varies from time to time, and there's sort of a process that they walk through, and it involves you know how many classes you've you've taught it involves scholarship you know writing research and writing that that people have done that might make it move a little faster and also kind of depends because the administrative process means you can only go through so many promotions at a time uh so it might be that that they only you know only 3 or 4 people are promoted in a given year and so for that reason might you know might wait a little bit too But I'm not sure what the average is, but it might be like five to seven years or something kind of between, between each one, but it could be fast tracked. If you do more, you know, it's kind of. Yep.
0: Okay. So it just depends on school to school, I guess. Right. So I always wondered that. So, all right. Well, cool. Well, to Kansas city we go, Amy.
1: All right. So Midwestern seminary, they had their trustee meeting this earlier this week, October 18th and 19th. And, um, they celebrated another year of enrollment growth and kind of gains across the board said that their total headcount reached 4720 students for, uh, which was a, already a jump from 4,374 from the 2019-2020 academic year. So that was very exciting. And uh, for, that was very exciting for them So celebrating that. They also had The formal dedication of their newly renovated library, and they have named that in honor of the seminary's third president, Mark Coppinger. So there was a ribbon cutting ceremony for that. Also approved a new graduate level missions program that is kind of the master's level equivalent of the fusion program, which has been uh, at Spurgeon College for a very long time. So it's kind of a a, a higher level or graduate level iteration of that. And it will uh, be an opportunity to really partner with the IMB in uh, other ways, they also elected Jared Bumpers as assistant professor of preaching and ministry and Camden Pulliam as assistant professor of Christian studies. They also re elected Dale Johnson as associate professor of biblical counseling and Matthew Barrett as associate professor of Christian theology. So, all
0: right, Amy, to Denver we go for our final report. Uh, they met at the Rocky Mountain campus. This was the 25th anniversary. Of the Rocky Mountain campus of the Gateway Seminary, which uh, used to be Golden Gate Seminary, obviously, uh, when it was located up in Mill Valley. Now we're down here in Ontario, here in the Southern California area. Uh, but they met at the Rocky Mountain campus up there in Denver. And Dr. Orge reported long-term financial health is very strong and reported that they had recent significant gifts, including $100,000 for the Rocky Mountain Campus Endowment Fund, as well as $100,000 for an endowed scholarship for students planning to serve in East Asia or the Pacific Rim. A lot of connection to East Asia and the Pacific Rim at Gateway Seminary here being located out here on the West Coast. Uh, But uh, a good report also, uh, and we'll link to that as well, over at Gateway's website. Uh, Amy, just a continued strength, continued growth at all six of our Southern Baptist Seminaries.
1: Yep. great news, especially uh, coming after a pandemic.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Final story uh, to Illinois, Amy.
1: All right. So this is one of those stories that, as we remember, it is difficult every time we have to cover a story of of, uh, sexual abuse in a church setting, but it is also important that we cover those because uh, the more that people come forward and the more that churches respond uh, by cooperating with authorities and doing everything they can then where we are making our churches safe places. So this was an Illinois pastor, Joseph Crawl. He has been suspended from his ministry post after a 15-year-old minor that he had pastored previously accused him of sending her sexually inappropriate Snapchat messages. And so what he has been arrested for is grooming, um, which is a, a class four felony in Macon County there uh, And he is, uh, is in jail. He's being held on $75,000 bond. And so there's a, a Baptist Press story that kind of explains some of what, uh, what was happening and how he was reaching out through Snapchat. And it gave probable cause to have a search warrant and to arrest him at his home. The church, Rochester First Baptist Church, is where he has pastored since july eighteenth. So it sounds like maybe this was someone at a a previous church. Yeah, it was a previous church Galilee. Yeah, Galilee Baptist. Yeah. So the so the church said we as a church are grieved to learn of this allegation involving Dr. Kroll because we take this seriously we have immediately suspended Dr. Kroll from all responsibilities. We have great concern and are in prayer for all affected by the situation and will cooperate with any law enforcement investigations. It says that the alleged grooming reportedly began during his pastorate at Galilee Baptist. That's what the Illinois Baptist State Association said. But the, um, the sworn statement from the officer uh, only references kind of some recent Snapchat messages. So It sounds like there's a, a pattern. And um, that this, you know, calls attention to how important it is to be watching things like this, that it's not just about sort of acts of sexual abuse that happen physically or get to a point, but grooming and preparing, which is sound, sounds like what he was doing, sounds like what's being alleged here the, uh, with the Snapchat messages. Those are things that are often done by abusers in the, you know, with the intention of of getting to a place where, you know, full abuse, you know, can be taken. So the, the act of them are, it's, it's abusive already and manipulative. It's a, you know, but it's, there's a, a goal that's there. And so it's very important to recognize the seriousness of that. It's more than just saying something inappropriate, which is already bad enough from a pastor, but it's actually saying something inappropriate to a 15-year-old, presumably to set up a scenario where abuse could be possible. And so uh, this is all, all, it's all in Baptist Press. The link will be in the show notes. The Illinois Baptist State Association has said they are assisting leaders in both churches, with their reporting information to their congregations and in communication with their communities, so uh, it looks like they are are working toward transparency in all directions and cooperating with authorities. So this is uh, that that's important, and from what we can see, those are the right steps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if we have any more information on that, we'll be bringing that to you over at Baptist Press as well. All right, Amy, that'll do it for our news this week. I bring you to my favorite part of the week this week at SBC History. Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right, we're going to go to 1975 Baptist Press issue of October 20th. It was the opening in Greensboro, North Carolina, for the first bookstore mail order center for Southern Baptists. So the first time that people could actually order, you know, when you would think about like the Baptist Sunday School Board or the Baptist bookstore, that... Uh, that they would actually have a mail order center and they had 10 more that were going to be built during the next three years. So this would be not just for like curriculum for churches, but actually for the bookstore, which is now what we see as, you know, lifeway.com. So the Greensboro mail order center was the first of 11. They were going to be opened by 1978 in Arlington, Texas, St. Louis, Memphis, Nashville, Fresno, Denver, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Cincinnati, and Lutherville. And so it, uh, it, it came from the fact that the U S postal service had made changes to a new bulk mail system. And so, uh, packages that were mailed from Baptist bookstores were bulk mail. And so they're putting, they were putting mail order centers next to these bulk mail centers by the U S post office. So they had a reason for it, but I was just fascinated to see 1975. That's when these places started to actually send mail order items from Baptist bookstore. And now here we are. You just go online, you click a button, it comes to your house. Like we don't even think about it anymore. But in 1975, it was something that was brand new and they were talking about it this week in SBC history.
0: I had no idea that we had mail order facilities like that around the country. Yeah, and all over I, where's the place. Lutherville, by the way? Lutherville, Maryland?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was in Maryland.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Well, neat. Well, that's gonna bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is—it's
1: um, actually a book that Lifeway has published that you can order and have to your house, just like you know, in 1975. New book from Andrew Peterson, "The God of the Garden: Thoughts on Creation, Culture, and the Kingdom." Right. So didn't
0: I, we kind of talked about this one? I think a couple of weeks ago we mentioned that there was a new book coming by him.
1: That's and right,
0: here it is. and I, God of the Garden. I'm
1: I'm very excited. So it'll be uh, releasing October 26th. So in just a few days, uh, can come to your doorstep. I'm very excited about this. I've seen some previews of it i heard him give a talk that was kind of a segment of it but i haven't actually gotten to read it yet so very incredible and also just want to recycle from a resource that i shared a couple weeks ago i I, i'm continuing to listen to that taylor linhart album over and over and over Uh and it gets better every single time so if you hadn't tried that you got to it's incredible all right very cool all
0: right my resource of the week is a new book from tony marita good friend of the pod here the faithful church planner Eleven essential competencies for the work. So, uh, church planning book from Tony Marita, who's a church planner in your neck of the woods, Amy, over at Amago um, Day, in the the North Raleigh area. So, uh, just down the road from you guys at the Summit, actually, right? That's
1: right. That's right. That's yeah. right. yeah, right on strictly. So, uh,
0: yeah. So, Tony is a author and a pastor. Got a new book out. So, uh, the church planning book, The Faithful Church Planner, by Tony Marita. So, that's uh, my resource of the week.
1: All right. Well, it was a big news week, Jonathan.
0: It was. A lot of news going on, and you know, you never know what next week will hold as well. We keep working and we keep uh, letting folks know what's going on. We'll be covering everything that happens from here on out, just like we do each and every week here on the podcast and over at Baptist Press. So, Amy, I'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.